0: Welcome back to another exciting edition of Hedging the Bet. I'm Caden Handwork alongside my best friend, B-Rick.
1: This is going to be something. This is going to be something for sure, and it's Masters week.
0: Yes, sir. I love that Masters music, and it is that time of year. Spring has sprung. It is 73 degrees outside, which is just beautiful, but there is some rain, so that's unfortunate. But for the show today, we're going to... Start off with the national championship. We're going to recap that. UConn beat San Diego State to win their fifth national championship, their fifth since 1999, and they won 76-59. to And we'll just get right into that. So, B-Rec, what was your biggest takeaway from Monday night's national title game?
1: A friend of mine, um, Hayden Nichols, He shout-out H, from Wilsonville, Oregon, all the way, the nine seven zero. He uh, called me midday before the game and said, "Hey, Rick, um, can you sign in to my DraftKings account <laughs> because I have eleven dollars and fifty cents that I want to put on the San Diego State money line?" And I went, "H, really? Are you sure you want to do that?" He said, "Yeah, man, I'm convicted." So, his attempt was to turn eleven fifty into forty six dollars. That didn't work. So, it was all UConn. Uh, my takeaways are, it was a game of runs, and that was clear early. San Diego State had a dream start. I mean, they led 10-6, and then UConn didn't look back after that. outscoring them 30-10. to Sanogo was hitting threes early in the game. Jordan Jordan Hawkins took the entire tournament to elevate his draft stock. I was happy that... He was back and looked a lot more fresh and a lot better, um, a lot more normal than he did in the final four after the stomach issue that he was going with or the the sickness or flu bug, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And then I'm really happy for the Hurley family and Dan Hurley. I really am. It was cool to see Bob and Bobby Jr. sitting in the stands behind UConn's bench for the duration of the tournament, but particularly when they were highlighting it during the, the Final Four and the championship. These are guys come from a long lineage of of coaches, you know, um, Bob, the head at Minnesota and Eastern Michigan, Bobby, the head at Arizona State, winner of two national championships, at Duke as a player, and now Dan brings another coaching championship into the family um, with what UConn did. And then, you know, it's interesting because in mid-January, UConn lost eight games in a row, or six of eight, rather, and were looking horrible. I mean, they were up to as high as number two in the AP poll, started 14-0, and and just went sideways off of a cliff and you're thinking what happened I mean where did they go and there's an interesting quote that was resurfaced in the wake of UConn winning from Dan Hurley where basically he said if you're going to get us get us now because we just figured something out and we're coming they closed the year after he said that going 14 and 2 And this, and just running over teams, we talked about it last week, They and it stayed true. They beat every team in this tournament by double digits. Now, when was the last time you could say that about a national champion?
0: I know Michigan State did it in 2000, but did Villanova do it in 18? I think you might be
1: right, but that's just the point is that it doesn't happen often. It does not. And so those were really my takeaways. I, I thought that San Diego State would do a better job at playing their pace, but UConn sped them up and put them out of their freaking misery fast. It was incredible. I, I didn't know what to say about that aspect to it. I thought the Aztecs would control, but they lost a lot of the rebounds. Uh, defensively, they lost a lot of the rebounds. UConn maintained possession and were able to rebound and run. They defended well, which was SDSU's calling card all year. And um, San Diego State, here's the other thing. You can't go 11 minutes without making a shot. No. Which is what they did. And yeah. they went on a, a five-minute lapse where they didn't make a shot later in the game. So you get down to to 8 and then to five, you're like, okay, this is legit. Like, they're back. Uh, not to stay. <laughs> so, those were all my takeaways. If I had to, to synapse this, I would say the pace shocked me. I'm happy for the Hurley family. Uh, UConn is a blue blood program. That's without hesitation now, my opinion. And um, it was a good tournament. And it's Masters week. <laughs> Those were my takeaways.
0: Yeah, my biggest takeaway is just, well, first off, what an incredible run for UConn. You mentioned how they started the season strong. They were number two in the AP poll. I think one of the first teams they lost to was Xavier. And then they had that slump in the middle of the season. They lost six of eight games, and everyone fought all across the country. Well, this is it for UConn. They're not going to do anything in this tournament. But they never gave up. They uh, ended the season strong. They had that loss to Marquette in the Big East tournament, but they came back from that. And then they just totally rolled over everybody in this tournament, winning by double digits. And then I would think uh, the play of Adama Sinogo this tournament was incredible. He was just amazing. Same thing with Hawkins, especially coming off that stomach flu that he was dealing with. And then From the San Diego State side of things, what an incredible season for San Diego State and Brian Dutcher and that team. It was just incredible to watch. I never would have imagined that they would have been in the national championship game at the beginning of this tournament. So what a run for San Diego State. Um, I got to give credit to the Aztecs for staying in this game for at least the most part. I mean, you mentioned how they went 11 minutes or so without making a field goal in the second half, and then they, or the first half, and then they had another drought in the second half. And with five minutes to go, they uh, cut it to five, but UConn's able to hold them off. So just incredible effort, I thought, in this national title game with, uh, by San Diego State. And UConn, just at the end of the day, they were the better team, and that's why they're national champions.
1: Well, and it's bizarre. It's like when the field is wide. Okay. You pick your winners and you don't deviate from that. And you anticipate that one of the ones you pick is going to be there at the end of the
0: day. Yeah.
1: But two things happened this year. A, there were three teams that no one saw coming in the Final Four. That's number one. Mm-hmm. The only one that was predictable was UConn. Yep. And as the field shrinks, your probability of winning is increased greatly right? So in the... Say this, right? Just for at a rudimentary level, because I'm not the math guy. The residential math man is, is Eric, who's not here. My roommate. We won't go there. I'm not the math guy, but when you're in the Final Four, you have a 25% chance of winning. Right? I'd agree. Okay. Well, when you're in the championship, you have a 50% chance of winning. So as... The chance of winning increases greatly. People kept saying, like when it was in the Final Four, it's UConn's championship to lose. When it's the championship, if UConn loses this championship, it will be the biggest travesty that they have known. And they didn't. They answered the bell. And that was the first time this whole season where somebody – it being a program, heard the noise, and then answered the bell on the brightest stage, the biggest stage, with the brightest lights. So that was, I I appreciated that too. Um, it's so weird that, and this is the way it happens, is you get to a point where you didn't predict what happened, and then you say, well, it's still going to be predictable. But what if it's not? I mean, what if we were sitting there with an All-Florida championship, but we weren't? And those possibilities that are endless are are beautiful to me, but I will say I appreciated wrapping up this tournament that was just filled with complete mayhem with something that was regarded as relatively predictable. That was okay. And now you and I get a chance to talk about whether UConn is one of the higher echelon programs in this country, which... I don't know who can argue with that now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just mentioned that UConn is a blue blood. I mean, they've won five national championships, and all those national championships have come within the last 25 years. So why is UConn a blue blood? Like, have they already proven it, or do they need to prove it even more? Because they got the six Final Fours, and they got the five national championships, and if they get to the Final Four, they usually just win the national championship. The only time they haven't was '09, when they lost to... Michigan State in 2009.
1: Let me ask you something.
0: Yeah. Is Duke a blue blood? They are a blue blood. How many
1: national championships has Duke won?
0: They have five. Okay.
1: I'm just saying. Yeah. Now, UConn doesn't come. This is where it gets interesting. UConn doesn't come with the singular coaching pedigree of Coach K. They don't. They've had three different coaches, and they've continually impressed. They don't come with the draft picks. Yes, of course, they have enough to be considered in the upper echelon. But they're not a Kentucky or Duke or Kansas in that way. And they don't have the history. But yet they're here. So, I don't know, is Michigan State a blue blood? (laughs) And here's why I say this. Michigan State has been to the Final Four nine times and has two championships to to show for it?
0: Yeah. I don't know. That is something that I wrestle with a lot of time. Like, all the time, actually, because you've been to the Final Four, like, what, nine or ten times, but you only have two national championships? It is
1: ten. You're right. That was my folly. I apologize.
0: But you've been to the Final Four ten times, and you only have two national championships to show for it. Now, I could argue in the majority... At least more than half of Izzo's Final Fours, they had absolutely no shot to win a national championship.
1: Why? Oh, when fi- you, when you get there, and I know what you're saying, but when you get there, you have as good a chance as everyone who's there.
0: I don't know if I agree though, with that. Because '09 they were never beating that North Carolina team. That North Carolina team was filled with NBA talent.
1: Why are you using words like never? We have seen this happen where the unpredictable happens. So I'm just saying they still have a good shot.
0: They have a good shot, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I'd say that in the majority of those Final Fours, they were not one of the favorites Absolutely. to win a national yes. championship. I now, 2019, but... I give them no excuse. I think they were the best team in that final four. They should have probably won it. Twenty fifteen, they were a seven seed with a bunch of ones. Yes, yes, they could have won it, but that was not one of their better right. chances. Oh five with another North Carolina team that was really good. You're I don't right. think they could have won it. And then oh nine, yeah, like true. I mentioned,
1: I hear you, I hear you. There are a couple that fluctuate either way. Yeah. That makes sense, though. I, I, I get it. I'm my point is simply that when you make the final four you deserve to be there in theory which any team that's coached by Izzo has a a chance to make the final four that's Mm -hmm. a guarantee Um, and for that same reason you have a shot to be propelled to a championship that's all I'm saying is it's possible yeah but it feels like we have something coming up next so why don't we get into that?
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not too early to look forward to a next year's Final Four. And there's a bunch of teams that have a legitimate case to make it to next year's Final Fours. They got great recruit, recruiting classes coming in. They got a bunch of starters coming back as well. And then there's the whole thing with the transfer portal we saw this year with teams like Miami. So if you could give me a potential Final Four, a potential 2024 Final Four in Phoenix... For next year, give me four teams that you think could make it, and give me a couple other teams that you think could sneak in.
1: Hmm, okay. Well, I like Kentucky. Kentucky comes with the nation's best recruiting class, which includes Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Robert Dillingham, and Reed Shepard. The Wildcat faithful have not been pleased with John Calipari's recent performances in the tournament, having not made it to the Final Four since 2015 and out of the first weekend in the last four tournaments. Next year could make or break for the Kentucky Wildcats, and pressure's on them to perform well, especially with that recruiting class we just mentioned. So I would say Kentucky is the first and foremost. They better be there.
0: Yeah. Can I just say one thing about you Kentucky? Can. Yes, I think it's Final Four bust for them next year. I really think so. And I know, like, the Wildcat faithful is not very pleased with John Calipari. There are even some people in their own in their own fan base that want John Calipari gone. So, I which mean, is
1: that's outrageous. I by the way, I, yeah, there's that. With what that man has done for that program in the city of Lexington, and the state of Kentucky, not fair, outrageous not fair yeah however when you build the expectation to the height at which he has built it and then leveled off and even regressed maybe as a program in the eyes of the nation you need to start asking questions the first thing he had to do was nail the recruiting trail which he did so check that off the box yeah can they play i don't know we'll see
0: yeah, I mean, John Calipari, I mean, I get the criticism that he's had the last these last couple of years because, I mean, there's been even years in like Izzo's career where he's gotten criticism for not doing as well as he's expected to. And then he goes to the Final Four and, and everybody's like, yay. So, I mean, I just think there's a lot of pressure on Kentucky next year. When you have the number one recruiting class in the country, you got to get to the Final Four. And if you don't win the national championship, that's fine. You got to the Final Four
1: the next one that I look at is Duke and Duke being coached now it'll be going into year two under John Shire I just listened to to Colin Coward speaking to Coach K and Coach K said basically in essence I like the direction Shire's going we speak often and they are ready to elevate to what we were yeah. And if that's true, watch out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Remember in the uh, middle of the season when we were talking about Duke struggling mm-hmm. and then they managed to end the season with an ACC tournament title. Yes, they didn't go far in the tournament, but I'd say that was a great first year for John Shire. I know they didn't make the second weekend, but given the fact that you just lost previously the greatest coach in your school's history and you followed that with an ACC tournament title... Yes, you didn't get to far in the tournament, but still you get to hang a banner. I think that's great. Yes. And I think they're going to be a force to reckon with next year. Yes. So I agree with that.
1: Then I would go UConn, actually. I think that they are in enough of a good gear to get back there. And I think it all depends on how they play the returners compared to how they play anyone that they may bring in, I don't think their coaching personnel will change that much. You know that that Coach Hurley earned himself a whole lot of, of incentive and contract uh, safety and things of this nature with the win, so that's nothing to worry about unless he wants to move up in the coaching tree, which I'm not sure where up would be at this point. Uh, UConn, as we've said— has elevated to a premier program and he has at his disposal, any resource he could want. Yukon, I think has a good shot to get back. And then fourth, I'm going Michigan state. (laughs) I really am. I really am doing that. And uh, the reason I'm doing that is is they're Another one that's been removed from the final four for four seasons. Now they're itching to get back. And they have the third overall recruiting class in America. So that's pretty good. And with Coach Izzo, I think that he's chomping at the bit to get back to another one. And I think he'll do everything in his power to get back uh, there. It all depends on who leaves and who doesn't for Michigan State. That's what the challenge will be. If they have turnover, it will be tough. But if they have the core and the guys, because there are some dudes on this team, even this year, the only one who I'm looking at saying, and now we may even know more explicitly than we did, the only one who's going going is Hauser. Yeah. So if that's true, and the rest return, look at what you have coupled with what you're getting.
0: Here's a question for you uh, regarding Michigan State. Does Michigan State need tyson walker back to win a national championship or can they win one without him they need him i think so too
1: they do yeah yeah and even if even if that's just a leadership role which with him it wouldn't just be a leadership role and so that's what i'm what i'm getting to is He is a 20 point per game scorer when he's in his element. Mm -hmm. Now is he going to lose a spot to one of these elite combo guards that are coming in?
0: I don't think he does.
1: Probably not but if he does and this is where I'm saying what I'm saying if he does end up sitting on the pine for more time during the year than we would like it will be his attitude, leadership and how he shows up that help whoever the freshman is who takes his spot elevate their game to a national championship level game. So he's an important piece regardless of how many minutes he plays. But what I think should happen is he comes back and is as prominent or more prominent amongst that youthful team than he was this year.
0: Yeah, Michigan State's another one of my potential Final Four teams, as well as Kentucky. I just think the biggest key for Michigan State next year, if they want to get to the Final Four and win a national championship, I think chemistry is the key. Like This team is just going to have to gel well together, um, especially if Tyson Walker comes back. He's going to have to be a leader. And if he doesn't come back, it's going to put more pressure on guys like A.J. Hogard and Jay Nakins to step up. I think... Madi Sissoko is going to be a lot better next year, and Malik Hall will. I think if he can stay healthy, if he comes back, he will be better as well. So yeah, I think Michigan State they could totally get to a Final Four next year. They just gotta they gotta play well together, and they Tyson Walker he's he's just gonna to have to be a leader. Same thing with Malik Hall as well, and then AJ Hogard and Jay Nakins, they're gonna to have to step up as well. So if everything if everybody can get along play well together i think they're in perfect shape to get back to a final four
1: can i give you two teams who i'm looking at who are on the outside but absolutely could end up cutting down nets yeah first i would go texas i would too with that they're they're maybe scratching the surface of that echelon right now but they certainly could be in you know january february march next year Um, The reason would be, returning Arterio Morris and Brock Cunningham, your coach that you just committed to and signed, Roddy and Tyree, that looks very good. We spoke about that last week. Then Ron Holland, I said this last week because it's what I believe, Ron Holland, yes he is a top five recruit nationally, yes he's drawn comparisons to a slew of NBA guys, I think he's transcendent. And I think he could look a lot like. Wow, I just put myself in a hole. I I thought of a comparison on my own, but now I'm like, hmm. I don't know what he would look like, but I will say he if those things that we talked about last week—the ball handling, the decision making at the rim. A couple of the passes he makes, if those are shored up on the offensive end, he'll be one of the best players in the country, without a doubt. And um, the other one I would give to you, actually, and this is you know a deviation from what is traditionally thought, at least at the beginning of the year, probably, uh, but I'm going to go with Creighton.
0: I could totally see that.
1: As another one to get back there maybe they were close they, they were, were close they were very a close point away yep and a, a foul call away from, from getting there yes from going this year and um I think they're in not the driver's seat but they are waiting in the wings to get back there again
0: yeah I agree with you with Texas I think definitely they could carry the momentum that they had this year into next year and I think they could totally get to a final four. Uh, I agree with you with UConn. That's another team to look out for. Duke as well. Creighton. Kansas, I think, is another team that could get there as well.
1: You know what I think about Alabama? What do you think? Alabama sunk after this year. I fully believe they won't be a factor year. So.
0: I, I don't either. I don't because they're losing Miller, mm-hmm. and then they had the whole investigation this season, and who knows what their team's going to look like next
1: year. And Quinterly's gone, and... Um, I think Sears will be there. I think Betty Oko will be there, but. That's just probably not enough. A, a couple of injured. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I'd, I wouldn't think so either. Um, I know you said this, which I thought was funny. You said this on our text chain yesterday. It might have been. Why in the world is Purdue where they are?
0: It's, I think it's all on whether Zach Eady comes back or not, but are they really going to do another season where they have inexperienced point guards? Yes, I think they'll probably be a little better because they won't be small little freshmen anymore, but still, like, you've got inexperienced guards and are you just going to throw it to Edie the entire time? Like, no. Clearly, the
1: recipe didn't work. Yeah. So... To I mean that's the definition of insanity.
0: Yeah, I mean you lost to FDU. What makes you think that you're going to go to the Final Four next year?
1: Well, they probably think that. But the important question, though, is why do betters think that they will? It's almost like do they know something we don't? Yeah,
0: but I don't think so. Are they going to get like Are they going to get some big time transfer that we're not really Dickinson? talking about? Maybe? Oh. Can you imagine oh. Dickinson and Edie on the same team?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Wow. Yeah. I heard some of that. would that,
1: be criminal.
0: I heard some of that Dickinson uh might go to Kentucky or something like that. After Sheboy? After Sheboy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. I'm where, shocked. Where you did left. you
1: where did you Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Where did you hear that from?
0: I uh, I heard on Twitter. I'm not sure like the source, but I could try to pull it up.
1: Okay. Is that all we have for the odds? Because let's get into something else. While you introduce something else, I'm going to go ahead and look up yeah. Dickinson's
0: news. Well, I got one more Final Four team that this might surprise you. This is a potential Final Four team for next year. What about Arkansas? Does Eric Musselman go over the hump? Does he get past the Elite Eight? We've seen him work in the transfer portal a lot. There's no question that he's probably going to do it again this year. And they got two top 30 players coming in next year in Leighton Blocker and Bay Fall. Does Arkansas... Do you buy the fact that I think Arkansas can go to the Final Four? Do you buy that?
1: Uh, You know what's really funny? Here's what's hilarious about this. Right as you said that, I pulled up an article from Arkansas Rivals that details a meeting that Arkansas just had one day ago with Hunter Dickinson. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Arkansas reportedly met with Michigan transfer center Hunter Dickinson via zoom on Tuesday. Dickinson who entered the transfer portal on Friday is rated as the number one player in the transfer portal by rivals. The seven foot one, 260 pound native of Alexandria, Virginia averaged 18.5 points 9 rebounds 1.5 assists and 1.8 blocks per game for the Wolverines Arkansas Arkansas there are 9 potential fits for Hunter Dickinson in terms of where he might go according to 247 How much time are we at on this podcast?
0: 28 minutes.
1: Okay, so we can go for a little bit. Yes. Let's talk about these nine locations and then maybe make our bets. Georgetown.
0: (laughs) Georgetown? Georgetown. I mean, they need something.
1: Ed Cooley?
0: Yeah. That'd be cool. He
1: recruited Dickinson to Providence. Yep. He wanted him.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Hard. That would be something. Illinois. Oh, my goodness. Can <laughs> okay. you imagine? Okay, first first thing we need to say. If Dickinson goes anywhere else in the Big Ten, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Either. I wouldn't either. I want him out of the Big Ten. Are you kidding me? Dickinson doesn't gel with Terrence Shannon. They had a snafu... As 247 is claiming earlier this year. That's well documented. Uh, Hmm. But he said Dickinson is reported to have said that Shannon is the one player he would want to play with. That was not on his team. If Shannon opts out of the draft and returns, that might get interesting. Interesting. NIL has a, or excuse me, Illinois has a NIL collective, and we saw what they did with Kofi Coburn, too.
0: Yep, he was pretty good.
1: I don't know. Let's move on here. Villanova.
0: <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> wow. They need a big, and yeah, they dealt with a lot of injuries this year, and they kind of got it going at the end of the season, but that would help them out a lot. With
1: Justin Moore? Yeah. That would get interesting. Syracuse.
0: Hmm. New head coach.
1: Maryland.
0: <laughs> Not impossible, but I don't see it.
1: Yeah, I mean, hmm. Dickinson was coached by. Wait. Can
0: I finish? Yeah, you can finish. I was just going to say something.
1: Dickinson was coached by Mike Jones, who just signed with Maryland. Jameer Young, who is Maryland's leading scorer, played with Dickinson at DeMatha for high school.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's close by Maryland, so I could actually see that now. Duke. Duke. Oh my goodness, could you imagine him on Duke? Duke.
1: Now, Derek Lively just hit the draft, didn't he? I believe he did. I think so. So that was the question. Derek Lively was Duke's big man. Now he's out the picture. Does Shire go at Dickinson?
0: I could see it. Kansas. Yeah. I could see that as well. Kentucky. Yep. Uh-huh. I just mentioned that Kentucky was going after him.
1: And then, last but not least, the victors of the West, Michigan themselves. He could return. Let's not rule that yeah,
0: out. Yeah, of course he could. There's yeah. always that. Yeah,
1: um, I'm not sure that's
0: likely. I don't think so. Uh,
1: we saw what he said on Twitter, w- Dickinson himself, which was that he rocks with um, Jawan Howard until the end of time he is Jawan is his guy he's Jawan's guy that's a good mutualistic relationship mm-hmm. i don't think there's any harm done there but i don't think he's coming back i don't either that would be my guess so out of those what are you most compelled by
0: so there i mean there are a lot of good teams um It's hard to say which one I think would be the best fit because I think they're all good fits. I just got to go with Kentucky. I mean, we mentioned the pressure on John Calipari uh, this upcoming season and how they haven't been to the Final Four since 15. They haven't been past the first weekend since 19. Yeah, you got the good recruiting class coming in, but what else do you really have? And you need a big man to replace... uh, she boy, so i think that could totally work out so i would say kentucky
1: that's not a bad call that's not a bad none as as you said none of these are bad calls um i think arkansas is legit yep um uh, i'm inspired by the um villanova connection i am i think that the Justin Moore 1-2 punch would be huge with Dickinson. They played together at DeMatha. So he has a couple of these, which but, yeah, is weird. That, that, that'd
0: be a good reunion.
1: That's what happens when you attend a prep such as DeMatha. That could be, as you said, why he's thinking of Maryland or Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Is proximity.
0: Proximity, Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't think Syracuse has a shot. I don't either. I, I, nor do I think Illinois has a shot.
0: Syracuse is bringing in a whole new head coach, and they're basically restarting their program.
1: And if you're, like, that may be appealing if you're a high school recruit, but if you've been around the block a couple times, would you want to go into a restarting situation? Probably not. I would not. No, and especially, too, if you're, you've been at Michigan, you've had expectations and you failed to meet them, Why don't you go somewhere that would allow you to flourish and get to the national level? So that basically leaves Arkansas, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. Um, I won't say Villanova yet, but maybe. Uh, That's kind of it. So I don't know. Those feel likely, but that would be... Huge. That would be earth-shattering if he went to one of those.
0: Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what Hunter Dickinson decides, and uh, we'll see if he's staying somewhere in the Big Ten or he decides to go to another conference and cause trouble there. So we'll see. Um, We're going to move into our 2024 national championship odds, and we have nine teams that have the best odds, and we're going to start with the top three. We have Kentucky at plus 1,100. Duke at plus 1,200, and Kansas at plus 1,500. So out of those top three teams, which one would you bet today to win the national championship next year? Kentucky. Kentucky. I would too.
1: Ken- uh, wow, well, oh,
0: man. <laughs> it's either Duke or Kentucky yeah, for it's me. It's not Kansas. I don't think it's Kansas. Out of,
1: out of those three, it's not Kansas. I will say that. Um, Wow. So I looked at the name Duke, and I thought to myself— this could be interesting here. I'm still going to go with Kentucky though, and it's because of the fabulous freshmen that are coming in, and because of the attitude that has been mounted against Calipari. So we'll go with Kentucky.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Kentucky as well, and just because of the recruiting class, and then Duke. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule them out too, especially with the big recruiting class that they got coming in and the momentum. Uh, from the first year of John Shire and the job that he did and that the the job that I think he will do well over the next couple of years. So I wouldn't rule out Duke yet either. And then Kansas, I'm, I, I'm not touching that if I'm betting. I just don't see it. Agreed. So the next three, we got four through six. We got the defending national champions, UConn, at plus 1,500. Then we got Marquette and Shaka Smart at plus 1,600. And then, as we mentioned, Purdue is sitting there at plus 1,800. Out of those three, who would you bet to win the national championship next year? UConn. I agree. Because with Marquette, yes, Shaka Smart has done a really good job there, but when was the last time we remember him going that far in the tournament? It was at VCU when they went all the way to the Final Four. So I don't see that. And then Purdue... It's basically, I think, at plus 1,800 because of Zach Eady. And, you know, if he doesn't come back, that's going way down. So I would in no way bet that. And then UConn, they have the possibility of Sunogo coming back. And I think Jordan Hawkins might come back. Or is he
1: yeah, hit? and by the way, we're forgetting something. Klingon played awesome during the tournament. He did. As a a, a sufficient enough backup to Sunogo and actually they they threw out combos where they went big and they were both playing together Uh, he's 7 foot 2 he has the measurables he'll get more athletic and he'll learn to define his role and create space and screen the screener and do what's necessary so even if he doesn't come back being Sunogo they're in okay hands but out of those and it's hard to repeat we saw that Kansas got bounced early. Uh, but I would still go UConn because of what you said about the other two.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I just think they, um, they're they heading in the right direction. I think Marquette could make a run maybe next year in the tournament. Maybe they get over the hump, make it an Elite Eight or Final Four. Actually, I want to go Final Four, but I'd go second weekend. And then Purdue, I think, is just going to disappear next year. So I wouldn't bet that. And then the the final three we got here, Alabama, North Carolina, and Michigan State, they're all at plus 2,000. Which one would you bet to win the natty next year? Michigan State. Michigan State easily.
1: Yeah, A. Alabama, as we, we discussed this, Alabama has fallen away already uh, just by the nature of what they will see turnover-wise in personnel going into next year. Uh, I have my reservations about oats. I think he's a good coach, and I think he's a good head of a program. But is he good enough to manage that? I don't know. And we'll find out. But then the other one here that gets interesting is North Carolina. Carolina had R.J. Davis and Baycott and Love all back this year. Off a team who made the national championship one year ago, and they were bad. I mean, they weren't. They weren't. Well, okay. Uh, I won't say okay. Let me rephrase. They were. They were decent at best. I mean, we saw that the entirety of the reason they made the final four two years ago. Was their guard play going crazy? I mean, those two guys combined for 40 a game in the tournament? That obviously didn't happen for the entirety of this season. Um, Hubert Davis has me concerned a little bit. uh, Because you don't hear about Carolina on the recruiting trail either. Nope. You don't. Where did they go? So... Uh, I, Baycott is done I mean he's not back right
0: this might be silly but do you just think North Carolina is there at plus 2000 because of their brand maybe yeah
1: I, I do Uh, yeah yeah and honestly that to me maybe Kansas deserves it to be at 1500 but that might be the reason that Kansas is there yeah I think At 2,000, Michigan State is the best bet to make going into next year. Of all these teams, they're they're at the bottom of the list that we just listed. And they are coming off the Sweet 16 with the personnel they're bringing in and a hungry Izzo.
0: I'd put Michigan State in the top four right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, every single poll that we've seen come out has them top six. Yeah. In America.
0: Yeah. I saw something on, like, I think it was ESPN was doing, like, a preseason, like, top 25, and they had, like, Michigan State at number six, but they didn't even mention Tyson Walker. Like, they just put the projected lineup, and Tyson Walker wasn't even in there.
1: You can't, though. I mean, I get that, but what were you saying about it?
0: Yeah, So what I was just wondering is, like, if Tyson Walker, like, when— he decides if he wants to come back or not, is that going to go up? Like, are their odds just going to go up? Like, that's what I'm wondering.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what else they would do. Yeah. It wouldn't
0: go down. It would not.
1: <laughs> um, he proved why he can play at any level of hoop this year. Um, And uh, he does the little things right, which include the intangibles, yeah. leadership, attitude, energy, connection to Izzo, all these things.
0: Yeah, so uh, what I'm just wondering is, like, with the betters, like, do they have Michigan State at plus 2,000 because they're just assuming that Tyson Walker isn't going to come back? That's what my biggest question is. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or the question of whether the four freshmen can get acclimated quick enough to be ready to elevate
0: Mm -hmm. as
1: freshmen. That may be, too, Yeah, because what we've seen over history is that Coach Izzo raises projects who come through the program and are ready to be at that level in year three or four, right? And so with these guys, at least two of them are looking at NBA selections after one year.
0: Yep, and that's Xavier Booker and Jeremy Fierce.
1: Right. Um, Carr is a freak athlete. We've talked about that. He just won the the dunk contest. Um, That was a part of the All-American series or whatever it was in in Houston. I think it was, the All-American stuff.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh,
1: And then Garrick Norman, I'm still really high on Uh, because of what he can do, stretching the floor, shooting. He's athletic enough. He plays defense. Good stuff. Uh, But I think maybe they're looking at whether or not these guys are ready to be good enough to win a national championship.
0: Yeah. And that's like the biggest question. And that was something that we talked about earlier in the show is, are these guys just ready to go by day one or is it going to take time? Well, and that's remained to be seen. Yeah.
1: But I think the quicker they get on campus, the faster they get into the gym and start working underneath the umbrella of Michigan state hoops, They'll be there.
0: Yeah, and not to mention, um, if Xavier Booker and um, Jeremy Fears leave after year one, you got Curtain coming yeah. in. Yeah, that was big. And then you got another guy that I think, I forget his name, but he might commit on the 20th. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he's a highly recruited kid. What time are we at? 45 minutes. Okay.
1: It's yeah. about that time.
0: Yep, I believe it is. Yeah. Well, that is all for Hedging the Bet. Uh, We thank you guys for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. That is all from the Impact Sports Studio. You can catch us live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on 88.9 The Impact for more collegiate sports betting analysis.